we have had just so many amazing responses regarding your political memorabilia. I've just got to do one more, and we go to the beautiful town of Port Chalmers, and Barbara joins us. Welcome, Barbara. Oh, hi there. What have you got? Well, I've got a beer glass, and uh, the beer glass has got printed on it MMP and a tick, 6th November 1993. Wow. It was the the day that that they, New Zealand, voted to have MMP as their preferred uh, system of voting. Oh, gosh, there's a bit of history. And I understand you knew Rod Donald. I did. uh, um, We met him around that time. He was... uh, we were neighbors to a, a, um, a woman in the Green Party, and uh, my husband and I were New Labour Party. So the Greens and the New Labour Party got together in Diamond Harbour, where we lived, and uh, a few Democrats down the road. We thought, gosh, we've got more in common with uh, with each other than we have uh, opposing one another. Um, and did he give you any advice on how to treat the, this precious beer glass? Yeah, he said uh, he said don't don't put it in the dishwasher because uh, they they uh, they were a bit stretched on their budget, and so we uh, he said he said just wash it gently, and <laughs> so uh, so it's never been uh, it's never been in hot water, um, unlike some other people. <laughs> so it's never been never been in hot water, and uh, and it's sat on my sh- on my uh, shelf, you know, along with vases and plants and books and things. And my Just amazing, daughter, Barbara. my daughter, who's finishing a master's degree in politics, says to me, "It's hers." So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Barbara, nice to have you on the program. Um, there are so many coming through. Someone's I have a, a Rodney Hyde pin uh, uh, as an ACT Party supporter, and Jan says, "By the way." Uh, these can be forwarded to the national political souvenirs can be forwarded to the national library as part of their archives. We have um, uh, Kate Duckworth and David Cormick on today. Well, this year we've seen many reports of record-breaking ocean temperatures. Now scientists are saying we've got the clearest sign yet that Antarctica could be in trouble. The ice on the Antarctic Ocean surface is now measuring in at one and a half million square kilometres less than the September averages. We thought this is significant. We've got to talk about this on the panel. With us is Professor Christina Hulber, geophysicist at Otago University. Professor Hulber, welcome. Uh, Kia ora. It's great to be here. Experts have called these results mind-blowing. Tell us more. Why is this news so alarming? Sure. So every year there's this big cycle of sea ice kind of growth and retreat around Antarctica, right? The sun goes down in the autumn, little ice crystals form in the water, they slosh around, they eventually form these big ice flows, you know, that we see uh, seals hanging out on avoiding killer whales. Like this happens every year, the surface of Antarctica kind of more than doubles. What's happening in the last few years is that the amount of sea ice that forms in the winter is less and kind of the retreat that it experiences in the summer is greater. And it's a, it's a shift in kind of the regime that we, that we expect to see, right? Every year this happens. Every year there's a little bit more or a little bit less sea ice. We can explain that by looking at uh, changes in the wind blowing around Antarctica. But this year, the last few years, the change that we see in the wind should be giving us more sea ice, and instead it's giving us less. Uh, so it's not just the normal thing that's happening. 
Mm, we've got a panel with us, Christina. They might have a question or two. Uh, Kate. Yeah, well, not so much a, a question but a comment that it makes me want to burn some fossil fuels and get down there before it disappears. So uh, not great to be burning the fossil fuels, but it makes me wonder, uh, do you have any idea of the, the time frames on this? Um, that's a harder part to predict, right? So we know that this is something that's different right now is that the surface kind of 100 or so layers of the ocean is warming up. And that's part of the story of this change. And that's going to keep happening. And it's going to keep retreating. But we'll still have this cycle, right? The annual cycle will still happen. It's just smaller than it used to be. And there's a positive feedback that warming in the ocean that's contributing to having less sea ice is going to contribute, that less sea ice will contribute to more warming. And you kind of get into a runaway situation. We call it like a tipping point or regime change. Yeah. Mm. Uh, David? First off, I just, you know, really pleased that there's a climate change story being discussed on the panel. So thank you, Wallace and producers. Um, Is this something, like, I know it's impossible to predict, but is this something that is likely to come back? Are we likely to see a bigger ice shelf next season? Or is this sort of maybe a new normal now? I think we're moving into a new normal, yeah. It's pretty crappy normal, to be honest, eh? It's it's not one that we're used to. Uh, it's not one that any of the ecosystems that we rely on are used to. No, it's not great. I guess uh, one sort of comment, uh, Christina, was, I mean, I'm reading a book right now about the person or the team, I guess, who uh, went to Antarctic to... Uh, you know, to discover or discover the endurance, you know, uh, the the ship underneath underneath the sea there, and their comments throughout the book saying they're stunned at the rate of progression of ice loss. Is that a general consensus amongst Antarctic and marine scientists that it is the sheer rate of progression that has got them consistently worried? Yeah, absolutely. Every time we turn around, we see something that we weren't expecting to see on, happening faster than we expected to see it. That's the story. How frustrating is it that we keep getting these stories, record sea temperatures off the coast of Florida, etc., ice flows disappearing, and no governments anywhere seem to be uh, willing to actually step up and do anything about it? It's very frustrating. It's the whole of my career, right? It's not a new mm-hmm. story. Um, yeah. We've we've known what the issues are for a long time. We've known what to do for a long time. Yeah. We just need to do it. Yeah. And what about the El Nino summer that we're, that's supposedly coming? Will that have a particular effect for this season coming? For Antarctica, uh, for what we're seeing right now, not so much. Will it affect our weather here in Aotearoa? Absolutely. It's going to be a probably warmer, drier uh, summer than the last few there was that notion not that long ago, Christina, that Antarctica as a continent was fairly uh, immune to uh, climate change. You know, uh, I mean, this is some many. This is ten or so years ago now that I was reading, but it seems that uh, this is absolutely not the case. No, it's not the case. And I think if you'd asked me ten years ago, I wouldn't have said we were immune. Okay. But, you know, it's like we need to be talking with the scientists who are studying these systems and our politicians need to be listening to the scientists and to the people, right? 
Yeah, it's cool that two of our parties want to raid our climate change fund to pay for tax cuts. That's real rad behaviour that I'm really excited about for to leave the world behind for my child. I feel the same way. I'm a parent too. Well, nice to have you on the program, Christina. Kia ora. I appreciate your time. That's Christina Hilber there, who is a geophysicist at the University of Otago, talking about the uh, rapid ice loss there, uh, the ice on the Antarctic Ocean surface now measuring in at one and a half million square kilometres less than the September average. It's 15 away from five. Thank you very much for your feedback this afternoon, by the way. Oh, goodness, look at this. Diane says, uh, I have a letter to my late uncle from Nordmire MP agreeing with my uncle that introducing decimal currency would be costly and unnecessary. Extraordinary, extraordinary history coming through. Uh, and by the way, uh, here on the panel, we do a thing called Show and Tell, where uh, once a fortnight, where anything at all, anything that's sort of neat and interesting or kind of quirky or fun that you have hidden in your uh, closet, uh, you can do a bit of a show and tell on the panel. I'd love to hear uh, some of that too. You can just text me 2101 or email me. Is Nordmeyer the, the, the one who did the black budget? Is that him? I, I think it's him. Off the top of my head, I think it is, yes. Uh, I'd actually love to see that letter, uh, Diane, if you do care to email it through or send a pixed, um, I'd be so fascinated about reading it. That's r- some real history there. Now, to this, Kate Duckworth and David Cormack on the panel. Some of you will be guilty of letting a bit more aggression slip out when you're playing a competitive sport or behind the wheel of a car and late for a meeting. But could social media have the same Effect and would meditation help? That is what a study at the University of Auckland has attempted to find out. They are doing this by tracking real-world behavioural changes in a group of Twitter users or ex-users before, during and after attempting a mindfulness challenge. I thought, this is fascinating. With us is business school researcher Shahil Kishore. Welcome to the programme, Shahil. Kia thanks for having me on. What inspired this study? Well, that's a really interesting question in itself. Um, I'm a quite regular meditator, and it's always interesting to think about what kind of effect meditation has on day-to-day life. In general, does it make you happier, does it make you calmer, or are these effects temporary, and do they go away as quick as they come in? So that's something that's always been quite interesting to me. Is there evidence that social media indeed, and even maybe over and above X or Twitter, makes people a little bit more either aggressive or negative? In general, social media can make you a little bit more negative about your outlook on life and about your, it has a pretty negative effect on your overall mental well-being. But what's really important to focus on is the intricacies of social media. So a really good example of this is something called active versus passive use. If you're actively engaging on social media, creating content, um, liking other people's content, talking about things, commenting on other people's posts, it's generally a lot more positive than just uh, doom scrolling, which has been quite popular in the media recently, you know, (laughs) just scrolling through TikTok, going through content. Those two are very different uses of social media, right? So, um, yeah. 
And David, you've had direct experience. Didn't you, I mean, you actually took yourself off Twitter recently for a while because you're finding it a bit too uh, negative. It's full of dickheads, to be honest. I mean, I'm probably one of the dickheads myself. But I just, I've reached a tipping point where the number of followers I have now exceeds the level of enjoyment I get. And if I had to say anything, I just get a torrent of abuse coming back at me. And it can be the most banal stuff. And so I'm really interested about about this, to be honest. Um, I had insomnia terribly and an anxiety disorder. And I someone put me onto meditation and I thought it was woo. Uh, and then I started doing it and found that it was actually really beneficial and and something that I am now a very strong advocate for so maybe instead of blasting out an aggressive tweet I might just go and do a five minute meditation session instead. Shaheel? Yeah sounds like a pretty good idea I mean uh, you may have to do more than five minutes based on what we found but uh, maybe five minutes could work as well. Kate? Yeah, who's got five minutes? But uh, I study at the School of Philosophy, and and they call it a pause. And I think things like road rage or you know these keyboard warriors—it's a waste of your mental energy. We've all got a limited capacity and better things to spend our energy on. So, yeah, you know, I, I think this really really resonates. But I, I wonder with the online, and this is a question for you, Shahil, is is it about the impulsivity? Is it the ease with which you can? you know, smash something out on your keyboard. Oh, I think that has a huge effect, especially on Twitter where you're limited by the number of characters you can post. You know, you're encouraged to write a short piece of content and put it out there quickly. And that's what creates the the huge amount of content that's generated and the backlash and the negativity that can sometimes come out of it as well. So I had an, another question was... Uh, I've heard researchers talk about the dopamine hit that you get when somebody likes your post, but this seems to be the opposite of dopamine, this anger. Yeah, that that is a a very different one. I mean, what we find is a bit closer to potentially this dopamine hit where uh, regularly engaging in meditation, you are actually generating more content and that content is generally of a more positive nature. So I wouldn't say it's always angry, the content that's being generated, Mm. um, and that content can actually have a positive outlook as well. Fairly big study too, analysing more than 60,000 Twitter posts. Uh, You must have the patience of an angel, uh, Shahil, to actually go through that and look at that. Um, A 60-day online meditation challenge, more than likely to post positive and original tweets we're talking about this so for those who are active users of social media what what's some advice what's a what's a some advice to take out of this so i would say that the best advice you could take away is that engaging in a little bit of mindfulness and a little bit of meditation has the potential to really improve your relationship with social media and all these types of technologies in general you know taking a pause taking five minutes and if you have capacity even taking 60 minutes out of your day Mm. to meditate and take a break away from technology even things like zoom social media everything that we're bombarded with these days could have a really positive effect on your outlook on life is interesting researcher here kira thanks for uh, sharing that with us on the panel and david cormack so you have how long have you been meditating oh Probably about 10 years now. 
not like consistently. I, there's some guided meditations on Spotify that are really good mm. that I really recommend. Um, there's one where this, uh, she sounds Californian, has a lovely voice that helps guide me to sleep. And it's, um, yeah, if, you, if, if you're struggling to sleep or to chill out mm. or to just slow your brain down, I highly recommend it. And there's, there's a whole range of them from like five minutes to 45 minutes. And so there's, there's, there's something out there for, for everyone. Do you meditate, Kate? Yeah, I do, and I, and I agree with that. There are some really great online resources, and yeah, don't be hard on yourself. It's really difficult, and you, you can never start with it. a, a few minutes and, and and build up. You've never tried it? No, n- never, never, you know, no. No, I've never tried. Ne- I've never meditated, David. Um, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll read a book. You dress like some someone sounds. that meditates. <laughs> Is that right? Is yeah. that right? Well, maybe one day I'll try. But for this, finally, on the program, nothing is sadder than seeing litter on our beautiful beaches. Isn't that the truth? And there's nothing greater than a community getting together and cleaning up that beach. Everyone from kids to superannuitants pitching in. Carpety Coast Council hosts the beach cleanup at Parapara Umu Beach over the weekend. This is the annual Keep New Zealand Beautiful Cleanup Week, running to the uh, well, end of um, actually running until the 22nd of September. Excuse me, with us is Heather Saunderson, the CEO of Keep New Zealand Beautiful. Heather, kia ora. good to have you here. Kia thank you for having me. Well, last year you had a record, amazing the numbers, uh, nearly 68,000 volunteers taking part around the country, collecting over 600 tonnes of waste, in fact 650 tonnes. Amazing turnout. Are you hoping for similar this year? Um, we've actually surpassed that. We're nearing 75,000 and registrations are still over open. Sorry. So you can still register at www.knzb.org.nz. Very cool. Is this just a feel-good exercise, though, or does it provide some real long-lasting value? Um, I would say that this is about celebrating the the. 873 schools that we work with, a large part of the community that kind of get involved in Cleanup Week are the schools that we work with. Right. Um, so, yeah, and, and just general community members that want to get stuck in their neck of New Zealand and, and make a difference. Yeah, we've got a panel with us. Uh, Kate, I guess uh, the numbers say it all, eh? You know, people really do want to go down there and uh, help clean up their local beach or what have you. Yeah, and hopefully these are lifelong habits. So we need one of these in Wellington. After the wind we just had, every recycling bin has been littered all over the really? city. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> recycling bins all oh. over the place and uh, rubbish everywhere. David? I love these stories, I guess, in a way, but at the same time it's kind of depressing that they're necessary. Um, but I still find it so inspiring and reassuring that actually most people are quite decent and they actually want to help and clean up and and do their bit for the communities that they live in so you know i Mm. applaud you for the work that you're doing and i just i wish we didn't have to but i think it's really cool that we do it heather well thank you look our mission is really to ensure that every new zealand student and new zealander has access to sustainable education regardless of historical sociocultural geographical or economic barriers that they face so all of the educational programs that we do with almost 170,000 students are free. We don't on-charge the schools or the students. So Cleanup Week is really, I guess, almost toward the end of the year. 
just an opportunity for communities, schools, and students to, to, to celebrate what they've achieved over the past almost 12 months. Um, and it's something that they can also see a tangible difference with. So it's it's a feel good. Yeah, at the end it of is, day. and it's, it's that tangibility, isn't it? We've got a little wee uh, thing that we do on, on our way to school. Little Junior and I, we call it Wednesday Cleanup Day. Little Junior loves picking up the rubbish from our five ten minute walk to the school. You know, because he says uh, the animals will get it if we don't, you know, clean up the rubbish. So it's a little thing that we partake in. And it's just part of our ritual, Heather, and it's just a gorgeous thing to be able to delight in. I agree, and registrations are still open for those members huh. of the community that still want to get stuck in. Wallace, why do you only do that on Wednesdays? Well, it's just that we could do it more, I guess, but it's just, you know, Wednesday is uh, Wednesday is the clean-up day. But, but uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, well, not? It depends on who takes Little Junior to school, you see, so... Um, but it's our little ritual. What about you, Kate? Um, do you have you partaken in the clean up? Yeah, for sure. But you know, be a tidy kiwi and be a tidy kiwi every day, Wallace. Was that? I mean, that was part of the message, wasn't it, Heather? The the tidy kiwi message. What happened to that? Um, that was our original slogan. I believe it was it was in the ninth, early 1970s. So we were established in 1967. Um, we were actually we've been running a historical campaign with it over the past two years. So you might see it with ad shells or digital um, advertisements at malls, things like that. As a small not for profit, again, it's probably not a great business model that everything that we provide to schools and community groups and youth groups are free. Um, but I guess our, our our focus is more on social equity and making sure that everyone has access to these programs, regardless of. Um, you know, issues that the communities may face. Oh, good on you, Heather. Well, keep up the good work. There's Heather Saunderson uh, from Keith, New Zealand. Beautiful. Uh, that's us for today, Monday. Thank you so much for your fantastic uh, feedback. Uh, Kate Duckworth, David Cormack, Europe. Uh, I'm Wallace Chapman. See you tomorrow, 3.45. Lisa Owen and Checkpoint next.